Hello and welcome to Sin Nebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is David Berman. Um, I am Daily Nebraskan's co-COVID editor. Um, used to be in the culture section doing some lead center reviews, um, but moved over to our COVID-19 specific section this semester, and uh, we've been doing some good coverage there, so make sure to check that out. As well as... I'm Mia Everding. I am co-host of this podcast, and that is the only thing I do. So it's very exciting. And yeah, uh, as I mentioned, uh, my name is Kyle Cruz. I mainly just write movie reviews and host this podcast, as well as do a couple other random things here and there. Uh, a little plug, uh, I wrote an article this week that ranks all 15 albums from my favorite band, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. So if you're into that, check that out. I'm very proud of it. Um, yes, I I, uh, I I saw that article. I was very proud of you. Um, I it, it made it into uh, the DN's newsletter, so I think you should be very proud of that. So sweet. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, moving straight into things, we'll just jump in our first top, our first segment of the week, which is what have I done? What have done? What have done? And what have I done is the segment where we just talk about what, we, what we've been up to this week. Um, and yeah, just what we've been watching, whether it be movies or TV or whatever, and whether or not we'd recommend it. Um, before we jump into that, I also want to quickly acknowledge that we're recording remotely again this week. So apologies for any, any lack in, uh, in audio quality. But, you know, we do what we got to do around here. We just want to talk about movies. So that's all um, I want, honestly, is to talk about movies. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, David, we'll start with you first. What have you been up to? Yeah, so uh, uh, reason we're recording remotely is I've just been quarantined for the last week. So um, I've had a lot of time to just, you know, do homework, I guess, but also watch a lot of movies and TV shows and, and things. Um, and so uh, I watched uh, Hubie Halloween last week. It was after Halloween had happened but I watched it anyway. It's not a, like a good movie. Um, it's, it's an a Adam Sandler Netflix Halloween movie uh, for anybody who doesn't know. Um, it's very dumb, but I had a very good time with it. Um, I also watched um, Trial of the Chicago 7, which I know Kyle, you had mentioned on uh, the show a few weeks ago, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, Aaron Sorkin, great writing, great directing, thought the performances were really fantastic, but I won't go too much into that because you described it a few weeks ago. Um, so yeah, so I think what I'll talk about today is uh, more Sherlock. I think I mentioned it last week. Um, but yeah, I've started watching Sherlock with my roommates. Um, we've been watching like this week, we've watched like an episode a night, which like every episode's like an hour and a half. So it's, 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 it's kind of a commitment, but um, we've been, yeah, we've been chugging through it. Um, I, because I know, yeah, I know both of you have, have seen the show um, and, are, and are big fans. So um, I'm, a, I just, we just watched the episode where um, Watson gets married um, and I had a lot of fun with that one. Um, and so, yeah, I've made it kind of through like the more, the main Moriarty arc. Um, and we only have like five left, I think. But yeah, I've been loving it. Um, it's just a ton of fun. I think uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Martin, uh, Martin Freeman is that yes okay um they yeah they're both fantastic um and I, I just I love how they just update the Sherlock Holmes stories for you know the modern world and I think it's just like a seamless transition um 
and yeah, it's just a ton of fun and uh, really well written. And I love the relationship and dynamic between the two. So yeah, I'm having a ton of fun with it. And I've heard, and I know that I know, I know you've said this, Kyle, like the ending is not great from what I've heard. So not super looking forward to that, but I'm interested to see what I, what I think of it. So. So are you in the, the final season then? We, I, uh, we're, the next one I have to watch is the season finale of the third season. Um, and then, and then there's like that special where they, where it's like the 1800s and then it's the last season, I think is what we have left. So. Yeah. The, the 1800s episode was a, was a Christmas special they did, um, which I actually completely forgot about, but that one, I think, it, I think I remember it being a lot of fun. Uh, so nice. yeah, for that. Um, do you have anything to add about Sherlock, Mia? Oh, I just adore this show so, so much. My mom and I have been, we've probably gone through it four times maybe because we started watching it when I still lived at home. So like five years ago. And um, yeah, I think we've gone through it like four times and we're stuck on the last episode because it's not, it's like not a great ending. I don't like the last episode, but I think I'm going to ask her if we can watch it so that we can restart it because the first two seasons are just like so good that I want to like just watch those again for the seventh time, I think. So I love this this show and you watching it is great and like getting your feedback is great. But yeah, we'll have to talk about it in depth sometime. Definitely. Yeah, I've watched the first few seasons through a couple of times, but I think the last season I only actually watched all the way through like when it was airing. So I don't think I've gone back and watched it since it came out because uh, if I'm being honest, I don't entirely remember like how this season ends, but I know I wasn't like big on it. Um, I remember vague plot details, but obviously I don't want to spoil that for David. Um, but yeah, Sherlock is good. Um, yeah, moving on to you next, Mia. What have you been up to? I have started, I've just been kind of jumping from show to show because I just, I don't know, man, I can't, like nothing takes up the space in my heart that is there when I watch The Office or Parks and Rec. And basically I'll just go from one to the other. Like I'll watch one in its entirety and then skip to The Office. But I think I need to give The Office a little bit of a break because I don't remember when I last watched it. So that's all to say. I've been watching Schitt's Creek. I don't really know where I am in that. That one's more hit or miss. Um, but I started watching The Queen's Gambit, which was released, I want to say like two weeks ago, maybe. That might be totally wrong. But it's a it's a Netflix original. Um oh, it came out October 23rd. So recently, within the last month. Um it's it's so it's about Anya Taylor-Joy is the main character and she's like this prodigy at chess and that's about it. <laughs> it's, I don't know, I'm just kind of chugging through. I'm on like maybe the fourth episode, but the episodes are like an hour long and that is just a lot of time to dedicate to a singular episode, but then like I'll want to watch the next one. So that's all to say it has a real problem I think with pacing it's so freaking slow but like now I'm invested in it enough that I want to keep keep watching it um and who Thomas Brody Sangster is the 
I, I, I don't know if he's going to be a love interest. I just got introduced to him in the last episode um, and I really like him. So I think that was kind of my incentive for getting into the show, but um, we'll see next episode. We'll see, or like next episode of the podcast, we'll see if I have stuck with it or not. I have a real problem with jumping from show to show and not like sticking through. So it's all right. I'll see if I'll continue watching it. Who knows? Yeah, uh, Schitt's Creek is is a show uh, that like I feel like I would be into. I just haven't started yet. Um, and uh, Kayla and I are just about we're just about finished with King of the Hill. We we have like two or three episodes left in that whole series, um, which has been basically a summer long adventure. Um, but so maybe maybe we'll jump into Schitt's Creek next. Yeah, Schitt's Creek. Um... And yeah, I've heard really good things about Queen's Gambit too. Um, but yeah, Shit's Creek. Um, I, I think I've talked about it before, but it's it's so dry. And I think I didn't love it for like the first like season and a half. But now like that I'm invested in the characters, I think it's like it's I I'm very much enjoying it now. Um, and yeah, I, I'm on like the fourth season, I think. Um, and yeah, I. I think you would enjoy it. I, I think it takes a bit to get going, but once it does, it's, it's it's a lot of fun. So, I respect that you didn't really enjoy the first season and a half, and yet you kept with it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like hate it. Like, I I get I guess I just was like, because I had heard really really good things about it, and I kind of was like, yeah, this is fine. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I guess unlike Mia, I I I'm 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 committed. I I I want to see it to the end um i i I use for the most part i usually like once i start a show i will try to finish it unless i like absolutely hate it so you know i and and thankfully it has paid off because i've i'm I'm really enjoying it now so yeah well uh in terms of what i've what i've been doing this week um so earlier this week uh was was kayla's birthday um and for her birthday we watched one of her favorite movies and that's monsters inc um, which is a movie I've seen many times, um, but I don't remember the last time I had actually like sat down and watched it from beginning to end. And man, that movie is delightful. It's just, it's just so, it's so much fun. It's so creative. The animation still holds up really well. Um, Billy Crystal and uh, John Goodman are both like perfect as Mike and Sully. Um, and yeah, it's just such a fun, original animated movie that, um, I don't know what you guys think about Monsters University. I think it's pretty good. It's not nearly as good as like the original Monsters Inc. But I, I still think like the concept is fun. And apparently they're making uh, like an animated Monsters Inc. series for Disney Plus called Monsters at Work, um, which apparently John Goodman and Billy Crystal are like coming back for. So that's kind of cool. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. I feel like the animated like series stuff usually isn't as good. Um, but who knows? Disney Plus has been working pretty well, so maybe it'll be good. Um, do you guys have any have any thoughts on Monsters Inc? I love Monsters Inc. so much. It's it's the bomb, man. Like, I yeah, I think I watched it this summer for the first time in a long time, and yeah, it's it's really great. Um, I I know I, I sent you guys some of uh, some of these TikToks. There's this guy who like reacts to like sad moments in movies and just like screams when it gets really sad and and one of those popped up for like monsters inc the other day and like that ending man whew, that ending is sad 
but yeah it's really it's it's very it's very very good i yeah i i i mean i can't really say anything other than it's good so you know you know that's about it great movie has some very wholesome vibes yeah maybe sometime we can go through for a main topic and just rank all of the pixar movies yo that is yes please after after harry potter month that's what we're doing for sure (laughs) um but yeah i've also uh last week i talked about the the first episode of the mandalorian season two um and we're recording a little bit later this week just because it's getting towards the end of the semester we're all busy so scheduling has kind of become a hassle but we're, we're we're still here um and now i've got two more episodes of the mandalorian to talk about um the episode three Two came out last week. Episode three just came out today. Um, David hasn't watched episode three yet, so I won't go too in detail on that because I don't want to spoil anything. But episode two of The Mandalorian, uh, season two, I thought was certainly a step down uh, from the first episode. Um, It was kind of one of my complaints about the first season is there were a lot of just kind of like random episodes that didn't really add much to the plot. They just kind of were there. Um, and it's, uh, episode two is very much that way because um, episode one, as we mentioned last week, ends with a, a big Boba Fett cliffhanger. Um, and then uh, episode two starts with them immediately like leaving Tatooine. And so there's no development off of that whatsoever. Um, and it's just kind of a mission of him trying to get this weird fish lady to another planet and they get stuck on a nice planet and fight some spiders. Um, and I guess people are angry because maybe Yoda eats eats the the fish lady's eggs, um, which is is a little weird. Um, I, th- I don't think it's quite as like, I don't think we need to cancel baby Yoda by any means, which is kind of what kind of the reaction Twitter has been having. Um, but it, it was a little odd. I'll give it that. Um, but I still overall enjoyed the second episode. Um, I think just the fact that we have a live action Star Wars TV series is just something that makes me very happy. Um, and watching these episodes week to week is kind of kind of getting me back in a Star Wars mood that hasn't really been a thing since, uh, since The Rise of Skywalker came out. And so, yeah, um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit uh, with David about what you thought, thought of episode two before I'll talk a little bit about episode three. But yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Um, yeah, last week in the moment when I was watching it, I was like, this is fine. I didn't really dislike it, but I didn't think it really had any point. Um, I think the more I've thought about it, though, the more I'm like, I really did not like that because it just, yeah, like, I I really like the first episode. I think it had some of the qualities of season one where the first episode was not really a filler episode, but it was like a separate adventure, but it did contribute to like, the overall storyline and I'm sure we'll probably see Timothy Oliphant's character again and it you know it inter- and you know it talked about Boba Fett a little bit and so it added to you know what what the rest of the season is going to be but this episode I'm like I don't think there's going to be any like repercussions from this or, or, or like any any elements of this episode are going to factor factor into the rest of the season maybe that like now his ship is damaged and then that'll be a thing but like to go from like, oh, big Boba Fett cliffhanger to frog lady and then some like ice spiders, I just thought was really dumb. <laughs> and it just, yeah, I, I just did not see the need for it at all. Um, and 
I, I, I hope it gets back on track and I hope it, and I've heard it does uh, based from, based on what you said and, and kind of what I've seen on Twitter uh, in the third episode. So. Yeah. Uh, without spoiling anything about the third episode, um, I will say it's the, it's the shortest episode of the season so far. That was one thing I didn't like about the first season is how inconsistently uh, long the episodes were. There were episodes that were like nearly an hour. And then there were episodes that were like just over half an hour um the first episode of this season was like 50 minutes the second episode was like 45 and this episode's like 36 um so it's kind of consistently gone downhill and yet uh this third episode of the mandalorian is probably right about on par with where the first episode was i i think um it definitely does develop like the actual plot of the season uh a lot more uh, we see we see the mandalorian kind of continuing on on his kind of quest slash uh hunt to like find uh the jedi like find uh, baby yoda's people um and uh again without getting into like specific spoilers i will say um that we talked a lot um earlier in the year about how there were uh various like big star wars characters that had been cast for the season um and without saying who i will say that one of them does show up in this episode um, which was very exciting to see. Um, and the episode kind of felt very similar uh, tonally to like a really good episode of the Clone Wars animated series, um, which was just very, a lot of fun to see in live action. It kind of, it, it felt like classic Star Wars while also having kind of like a new spin on it, um, which I just, yeah, I really enjoyed. Um, and uh, it, the way the episode ends, like it, the Mandalorian's going off somewhere else. This whole season just kind of seems to be episodes of him jumping planet to planet. Um, and it seems like they're continuing that with, going to continue with that with the fourth episode. Um, but the way they set that up at the end of this episode is very exciting. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I am looking forward to seeing how they further develop this plot um, as the season goes on. Uh, this isn't like a major, spoiler or anything it's just kind of one little detail um there is a, a bit in this episode we're like on like a hologram like communication thing that moff gideon that like kind of overarching villain of the first season does show up um and so we actually get to see giancarlo esposito as that villain character again um so that kind of makes me think that they're going to be he's tying him back into the season sooner rather than later um and so i think that's exciting and i'm just excited for this to really just get going um, and see where they go with it. But yeah, um, I guess moving on from there, we'll jump into our news for the week. Um, and the news for the week, I actually want to start with some TV news because we were just talking about The Mandalorian. Um, and this week, we've seen a lot of reports that apparently uh, a Disney Plus series based on Boba Fett is supposed to start shooting like here in the next few weeks. Um, this is not a series that's been officially announced by Disney or anything. Um, they did have a Boba Fett-centric uh, movie in development way back in like 2015 or so, back when Disney was like just getting started with Star Wars. Um, infamously, that's the movie that was supposed to be directed by Josh Trank. Um, and then Fantastic Four was a train wreck and that whole thing just fell apart. Um, but that was supposed to be a Boba Fett movie. Um, so we'll see what, like if, this Boba Fett series is actually a thing. This is being reported by several sites um, saying that it's, yeah, supposed to start shooting here in the next couple of weeks. 
Um, they don't know much about it. It's apparently under the um, under a working title of Buccaneer, which that working title has been around for a couple months, but people were just kind of assuming it was the third season of The Mandalorian, but that supposedly is not the case. Um, if, if we do get a Boba Fett series, um, I hope that they, I assume they'll come back and develop that character more in this season of The Mandalorian and that'll kind of work its way into the series. I hope it's not like that's uh, the end of season one is the only tease we get of Boba Fett the whole season and then they just like randomly give him a show. Um, so I hope that, I assume they'll do more with him. Um, I think, I'm curious to see like when this show will actually come out because, so again, it's supposed to start shooting here in a couple of weeks and the Obi-Wan show is not shooting till March. Um, so this might be coming out sooner than shows like that. And while I am on board for a Boba Fett show, I feel like they should do a couple other Star Wars centric shows first, um, because I feel like just having two Star Wars shows, both of which are based off of Mandalorians, is kind of a bit monotonous. Um, granted, like Din Djarin and Boba Fett are very different characters, um, but I just kind of wish they would do a couple other different things first. But I'm still very excited about the idea of this. Um, are you guys at all on? I know you're not into Star Wars, Mia, but uh, David, are you on board with the idea of a Boba Fett Disney Plus series? Yeah, I think generally, yeah, like you said, I think I'd rather see an Obi-Wan show, like the Obi-Wan show come out sooner than a Boba Fett show. Like that's something that I've been wanting for a long time. And so I would not, yeah, I would prefer that one sooner than later. But yeah, I think... Hopefully they do some interesting things with that character in the season of the Mandalorian and then can maybe spin it off from there. But, but yeah, I, I'm not opposed to seeing, you know, how he got out of the Sarlacc pit and what he's doing now and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see if the show is going to be like kind of a prequel show. That's just like what he's been doing up until the point that the Mandalorian um, sees him or if it'll be kind of, pick up with where the Mandalorian leaves him and move forward from there. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on to other general news for the week, we've got a few comic book things. Uh, first of all, we got the, uh, the reports that Warner Brothers is supposedly debating what they should do with Wonder Woman. Um, specifically, they have two options on the table. One is putting it on HBO Max in January, and the other is delaying it uh, to put it in theaters in the summer of 2021. Um, reports are saying that apparently this decision uh, ultimately kind of comes down to what AT&T wants to do um, and AT&T is what uh, the, the, the mother like kind of mother company of Warner Brothers I guess um, but they're pushing for them to put it on HBO Max um, I assume just to drive uh, subscriber growth there um, but apparently Warner Brothers doesn't want to do that so we'll see who, who wins out here. Personally, I think I think there's benefits to both. I think putting it on HBO Max in January just kind of gets it out there, gets it into the conversation, and then they don't have to uh, rework their entire movie schedule again. Um, but also they would make significantly less money by doing so. Um, so it's, re it's really just kind of, it's, it's a fine line that they'll, have to, that they'll have to walk and then eventually commit uh, to one or the other. But yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think um, it generally kind of makes sense that this is something that they're debating. Um, yeah. I mean, I 
part of me would like to see this soon um but also i understand why would they, they would maybe want to wait for it to be in theaters um so yeah i think yeah i think i've said this before but i think studios are just trying to figure out what the best formula is at this point um and no one really knows so so it's, it's fun Yeah, if they end up putting it on HBO Max in January, that'll be interesting because it'll suddenly make January uh, of all months kind of a crowded month, not a crowded month for superhero stuff, um, but a busier month than all of 2021, uh, all of 2020 has been um, because we got the news this week that WandaVision has officially set its release date on Disney Plus for January 15th. Um, granted, that's likely just the premiere date for the first episode i assume it'll be a weekly uh, a weekly series for probably february and march um or is it is it six episodes i think it's six episodes so it'll probably go through the end of february um but yeah we were talking about it last week um they originally had said it was going to be this year they actually moved it up from 2021 to 2020 um earlier in the year um but now it's firmly on the january 15th 2021 release date um, so yeah, I think it's encouraging. Uh, I think we'll start getting a lot more marketing about that uh, soon. Um, it's not much else to say here. We were kind of anticipating it come out around around that couple months period, um, but now we got the firm the firm confirmation on that. Um, you guys have anything to add there? Yeah, I think um, yeah, their report said it was going to be out this year, and I think a lot of people were upset that it's you know it's going to be twenty twenty one, but. It's only two weeks into 2021. I mean, with everything that's been delayed and canceled, like I'm just glad that we're getting something pretty soon, honestly. So um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And yeah, it's been since Far From Home that we've gotten any like Marvel things. So um, I'm just, yeah, I'm excited for a new MCU edition, so. Yeah, and in terms of putting it in, January of 2021. I'm sure the visual effects team here and just the general post-production team is still working on it. And I'm sure they're working from home. Uh, so I, I'm sure that they, they need all the time that they can get um, just to make sure this is what it what, what they want it to be. Um, but yeah, do you have anything to add, Mia? Um, not, not particularly. I guess I had a comment about Wonder Woman because um, I thought originally I thought it was supposed to be September I don't know why I thought it was supposed to come out in September but I just looked it up and it was June so I was seeing like how far back it's been like pushed and pushed and pushed um I guess I would suggest like we take bets on whether like it's going to come out on HBO or in theaters because I, I think I would love to see it in theaters but I know that that's like a pretty long distance i think to like push it back even even further but um i mean that's really all i had to say i didn't i'd forgotten that one division had kind of like swapped places and then like gone back so i don't know i don't know much in general <laughs> i guess if we want to like take bets i guess i i will firmly say that i think it'll come out in january i think they'll put it on hbo max because just like the way covid cases are going right now i think that we're probably going to end up seeing a lot more lockdowns over the winter and they're just going to want to get content out there. So I think it'll be January. Uh, what do you guys think? I think, I don't know. I think maybe with, I mean, things aren't getting like better with COVID, but I think there's like 
maybe some hope on the horizon, like barely. And so, I don't know, with something that they they spend so much money on it, um, I think maybe they would be willing just to wait until summer and think, hey, maybe we'll have a vaccine by then. Maybe it'll be, maybe, you know, movies, movie theaters will be revitalized by then. So I'm thinking that maybe they'll wait, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like, yeah, things have already been pushed to the summer of 2021 in general. So I think they don't, I don't know, they don't really have a reason to put something that was so big budget out there. And well, you know, I think it just depends on how they're doing financially. Like if if they're in a place where it's like, we just need to make some money on this, then I think that they'll put on HBO Max. But yeah, I, I don't really, I think I'd probably lean towards saying summer, but I'm not entirely sure. So I will firmly say summer. So we're just totally split. <laughs> yeah, I think um, kind of to defend my my January point, I think adding to that is uh, HBO Max has been doing well, but it still hasn't like quite like broken into that like top tier like streaming services. Um, that like people must have, um, which I think it very it has the capability to be because uh, if you don't have HBO Max, HBO Max is fantastic. Um, there's just a, a lot of great content on there, um, but it, it just hasn't quite caught on yet. And I think putting uh, Wonder Woman 1984 on there would drive uh, drive a lot more people to HBO Max and drive a lot more conversation about that, um, which I think would be a, a positive uh, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, would help HBO Max a lot, which would then uh, earn Warner Brothers a lot more money. And uh, the fact that reportedly AT&T is the, the ones pushing for them to do that, um, since AT&T is the parent company, I would anticipate that their decision would would stand. Um, but yeah, it also could very well go to the summer because it would make a lot more money in the theaters in the summer than it would just on HBO Max. Um, so yeah, we'll find out. Um, but yeah, I guess moving on from there, we got the news that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is producing a reboot of The Scorpion King. Um, if you don't know what that is, The Scorpion King is kind of a spinoff of the early 2000s Brendan Fraser mummy movies. Um, the Rock played The Scorpion King in like the second one of those with notoriously one of the like worst CGI uh, like scenes and characters um, in basically film history. Um, granted, it was from the early 2000s and they were trying to do an entirely CGI character based off of The Rock, but it just did not work. Um, and then they spun that off into its own movie that wasn't a CGI rock. It was just kind of The Rock. I haven't seen that movie. Heard it's not great. Um, but I guess The Rock's wanting to revisit that, um, which I think is interesting. I don't know if there's a market for this. I don't know if anyone cares about the Scorpion King or knows what it is. So maybe even though it's a reboot, when they market it, it'll just kind of be a, a Scorpion King movie that most people are hearing about for the first time. So maybe that'll do well. Um, I'm not particularly looking forward to this, uh, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I feel like, and really the only thing I know about the Scorpion King, and I feel like this is kind of like in general, what people know about this franchise movie, whatever, um, is that the rocks in it and the CGI stuff. Like, and I think that's kind of like a bit of a meme of just like how bad that character looks. So I think they could maybe be like, hey, remember this thing that like everyone hates? Like, 
we're doing it again, but it's it'll be better this time. And you don't necessarily need to tie it into like the rest of the mummy verse or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't really know. I, I think it'll probably make money because The Rock's in it and most of his movies make a lot of money. But yeah, it feels kind of like a weird thing to do. But hey, he seems to know what he's doing. So I want them to tie this into the, the 2017 Tom Cruise mummy verse. I think they should re- revive the dark universe with this. I yes, the, the dark universe that went very well in general. They're like, you know what we need to do? More Scorpion King. That'll that'll really revitalize this dead franchise. Just throw the rock in there. People will love it. That yeah. Seems to be what DC is doing with Black Adam. Pretty um, much. But yeah. Um, yeah, I guess moving on from there, uh, we got the news that Jordan Peele's uh, third, I think it's his third movie, um, his next horror movie is set for July of 2022. Um, I don't know if there's been any plot details discussed about this, um, but just like the fact that this exists is exciting. Uh, I think we all loved Get Out. I I enjoyed Us, but I didn't like love Us. Um, I actually don't know what you guys think about Us, um, but just in general, how do you guys feel about uh, an, another horror film from from uh, Jordan Peele in the works? Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. I think I think I do prefer Get Out, but I I know that Us is like top tier, like really really good. Like I remember the first time I saw it, I saw it by myself in theaters, and like my entire body hurt afterward because I was so like tense for like two hours, like from the get-go you're like oh my gosh on the edge of your seat and it's terrifying um and I've only seen it twice because then I I watched it with my sister and brother-in-law over quarantine and um I I think it's like phenomenal but I think I do prefer Get Out just based on like how I don't know it's kind of like genre bending almost and like for his debut everyone was like oh my gosh like losing their minds um but I mean I am definitely like super super excited for this because I think he's just like really talented and it'll be I think phenomenal to see like what the cast is going to look like so I think everything he touches is just gold yeah I um like my first initial reaction coming out of us was not very positive I think I just was not on board with like the main twist of that movie and kind of like the big reveal that happens toward the end I just thought it was very convoluted and kind of like the more I thought about it, I was like, that's just kind of, it just doesn't really make sense. But coming off of it, I, I kind of like read more into it, like, like just read more about the movie and I watched it again pretty soon after. And I really like it now. Like, I think it's, I think it's very, very good. And I think Get Out is better, I think, but us, I think us is scarier um and i think it's yeah like i i definitely have gained an appreciation for it as time has gone on and i think um lupita nyong'o is incredible in it and she really kind of carries that movie um but yeah i'm i'm super excited to see what he does next he yeah obviously he's done um get out in us and he like produced and narrated the twilight zone series which I only saw a few episodes of and liked it, but then I just didn't watch the rest of it. And apparently the rest of it is like terrible, but just from what I've heard, but yeah, I mean, he has 
overall, he has a very, very good track track record. Like when it's something that he is specifically like working on the story of. So, yeah, another another horror movie sequel that we got we got news about this week was uh, for the quiet for a quiet place. Um, which the interesting thing about this is, is uh, so we got the news that there was a third quiet place movie in the works. But this third movie isn't necessarily like a sequel. It's not A Quiet Place Part 3. Um, it's being reported that it's a spinoff of the show or of the movie um, that like was an idea from John Krasinski. So like it's not like the studio is just like we need more of this and just like threw some writer in there. Like it's coming from the main creative team. Um, we don't know like any details about it, obviously, because we haven't seen Quiet Place Part 2 yet. We don't know what the state of this universe is at the end of that movie. Um, but it's exciting that they're, it's a, it's a franchise that they're looking to continue. Um, I, I have faith that whenever we end up seeing a quiet place part two, that it'll be really good. The trailers were fantastic. So I'm still very, very much looking forward to seeing that. Um, and yeah, looking forward to see what they, what they do with the third film. Um, and just glad to see that they're wanting to continue this. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I love the original Quiet Place, um, and I was really excited for the second one. I was sad when it was delayed. Um, I hope this is not a franchise that kind of overstays its welcome. Like, I hope that it doesn't become bad as it goes along, because um, I feel like it might be a little bit limited in how how much of the story you can tell, because, I mean, at the end of the first one, they're like, well, we know how to kill the monsters now, you know? So... I, yeah, I just think I, you know, I trust John Krasinski and, and whatever idea that he came up with to, to be solid, but yeah, I, I hope it doesn't uh, become stale as it goes along, so. Yeah, what do you think, Mia? Um, I have only seen A Quiet Place once, um, and I was like blown away, but I was also incredibly sick. I had like a horrible cold and I don't remember when it was released. Was it like March or April? I remember it was during a very busy, busy time of the semester. And so I was just like, like had to carve out two hours to go see this. And I like sobbed <laughs> watching it. And part of me, like, doesn't want to go back and, like, watch it a second time just because, like, the initial reaction I had to it was just, like, so powerful. Um, I think I'm excited for the second movie. Um, more, like, definitely less excited for the third just because I am afraid um, of, yeah, a bit overstaying its welcome. Like, I think some ideas that are, like, could be considered more original, like, just like keep it that way don't don't try to drag it out more than it's warranted so I mean maybe if um it's like it's not a continuation of the series maybe it, it has more of a chance to um have a good reception but um I guess I'm a little apprehensive about that yeah it's a bit of a like my be my looking forward to a third quiet place film is a bit of a, a bit of a change of pace because like i know when they announced a sequel to the to the first quiet place i really was not on board for that i just didn't think it needed a sequel i didn't think a sequel could work um but again based off the trailers for the second one i think it looks really good um so i yeah generally excited about um them expanding the universe but i also agree with your guys points that like you just don't want it don't want to like water it down. Don't want to just like throw so much out there that it's not like special anymore. Um, 
But yeah, uh, moving on from there, uh, just real quick, we got the news that Disney has officially pulled um, the last 20th Century Fox movies, Free Guy and Death on the Nile, off of their 2020 release dates. We talked about these movies a few weeks back when basically everything was moving out of the rest of the year. Um, and these were the last two movies left, and they've officially been moved. They haven't been moved on to any specific dates. Um, I would kind of anticipate they end up just putting them on Disney+. Plus. We'll see how we'll see how Soul does around Christmas. If Soul is successful on Disney Plus, then I think we'll for sure get Free Guy and Death on the Nile on there. Um, but I think they're just waiting to see how that how that shakes out. Um, but you guys have any any quick thoughts on this? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think I was definitely looking forward to Free Guy. I think we talked about like the most recent trailer a few weeks ago. Um, and yeah, I I think. It's sad. It makes sense that they've kind of um, uh, indefinitely pushed these, especially because they're not movies that they've made. That like, yeah, because they're both 20th Century Fox movies. So, um, so yeah. I mean, I think it it makes sense, but it's a little disappointing. I I would not be surprised if one or both of these eventually gets dropped on Disney Plus at some point. So, you have any thoughts, Mia? Um, not particularly. No, <laughs> but what's new? Uh, so yeah, um, I guess speaking of Disney Plus, uh, one thing that I do want to quick mention, um, I don't anticipate either of you have watched this just because it's a weird niche Star Wars thing, um, but we got the trailer for the Lego Star Wars holiday special that's going to be going on Disney Plus, I think at the end of like this week, I think it goes on the 17th, so it goes up on Tuesday, um, and uh, I watched this trailer, so I knew that this was coming, um, didn't entirely know the details about it. Kind of just assumed it was a Lego version of the original Star Wars Holiday Special, which is notoriously garbage. Um, but it's not that actually. Um, it is still about like Life Day and all that kind of stuff. But like it picks up like post Episode Nine, so we see Ray with her weird yellow lightsaber. Um, but uh, then at first, when that happened, I was like, you know, it's just going to be like random new Star Wars stuff with Lego jokes. Um, but then the trailer kind of takes a twist uh, and introduces a time travel element. Um, and so they have the new Star Wars characters basically traveling throughout the Star Wars history. And we see just characters from basically every era of Star Wars interacting together. There's like one point which, in which like there's three versions of Obi-Wan on screen together talking um, we see like old Han Solo and young Han Solo arguing about who's going to shoot Greedo um, and just Kylo Ren nerding out about being with Darth Vader and the Emperor. Um, and it looks kind of like a lot of fun. Um, it definitely is like made for kids. Like there's some jokes in there that are just kind of, yeah, they're, they're kid jokes. But I think, I think it'll be, I think it'll be fun. Um, they seem to be playing off a lot of the memes that have come out of the uh, out of the sequel trilogy to Star Wars, like there was a joke about like shirtless Kylo Ren um, and just like random fun stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I think I think this looks like it'll be a good time. Uh, I wonder how long it's going to be. Um, I wonder if it's going to be like a full like kind of like animated movie type thing or if it'll just be like a 15, 20 minute short. Um, I would kind of anticipate it be a short, but you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, do, you, <laughs> do you guys have... Any general thoughts on this? Uh, if you don't, that's fine. But <laughs> just figured I'd throw it out there. 
Yeah, I, I haven't watched the trailer yet, but I think it's definitely something I'll probably check out. Yeah, if it's if it's a shorter thing, I'll probably just pop it on and and see if it's yeah, because um, I saw a few clips um, just on Twitter, and yeah, it I'm sure it'll be fun and kind of have like the uh, the Lego games in general. I feel kind of have a very like meta humor about whatever franchise that they're trying to be, um, and kind of just makes fun of the source material. So if they can kind of translate that in, I think that would be that would be a lot of fun. So. Yeah, it definitely seems like that's the kind of direction they're going with it. Uh, so I think that'll be a, that'll be a good time. Um, and yeah, the last bit of uh, of movie news we want to talk about this week, um, which kind of ties ties into our main topic uh, with just our general Harry Potter month that we're doing. Um, we got the the big news that uh, as a result of the the court case, I believe in the UK, um, which is a, it's a big can of worms we don't want to get into. Uh, Johnny Depp has been asked to resign from the role of, uh, of Grindelwald um, in the Fantastic Beast series. Um, so Johnny Depp is out. He is not returning. They have started shooting the third Fantastic Beast movie, so they apparently had already shot a couple scenes with him. Um, so they need to reshoot those. Um, and they're actively in the process of trying to get someone else in there to replace him. Uh, the name that's going around right now is Mads Mikkelsen. That's being reported by a lot of outlets. Um, that's not officially confirmed yet. I think he'd be a great choice. I think he would be a better choice that, for Grindelwald than Johnny Depp was. Um, I think not Johnny Depp was just bad casting to begin with. So overlooking the whole situation that led to this, I think I'm just glad that we're going to get someone to better fit the role. Um, but yeah, uh, like sad for Johnny Depp. Sad to see like anyone lose a job like that. Um, but you know, the studio is doing what they, what they think they have to do. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think about Johnny Depp no longer being a part of this franchise and potentially being replaced by Mads Mikkelsen? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Kyle. I think, yeah, putting aside, you know, all, all the issues that are happening, um, personally there, um, I think for the franchise, I'm not, I'm kind of excited to see a change because, it, yeah, it always felt like weird casting from the start because I in the first one, it's um, I believe Colin Farrell is is in it, and then it's like, oh, his kid like Grindelwald was uh, masquerading as Colin Farrell the whole time, and there's like this big reveal of like it's Johnny Depp, and I was like, what? Like like and like he he kind of has like a we like he yeah he has like weird makeup on, and he's like missing an eye or whatever, and like I'm like, is that? Johnny Depp like why is why is he in this movie and then he's the main villain I guess in the second one and it just never really fit um and I I didn't think he did like a terrible job with it I just think and we'll get into that into those movies that I don't like um but yeah it, it just always felt kind of weird and I feel like Mad Mickelson is kind of per perfect at like creepy villain like like yeah just weird insane wizard man i feel like is a perfect role for mads mickelson so i don't have i guess much to say on this because i have yet to see these movies so um yeah i'm sorry dave dave just had a, a sad reaction um but i i agree with what you said about mads just because I think I think every single role I've seen him in, he's been a villain. Um, I think it's the eyes that really does it. So I can see him doing well in this role, just based on you know the very little content that I know about 
about Grindelwald, but is it Grindelwald or Grindelwald? I know it's spelled with a W. It goes both ways. Even in uh, the crimes of Grindelwald, Grindelwald, they swap it up in the movie. Like some characters say Grindelwald, some say Grindelwald. They, yeah, it's yeah. I think it's supposed to be Grindelwald. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be. It's like Voldemort versus Voldemort. Yes, I think so. But yeah, like yeah, stupid. Even that dumb movie doesn't even know what what it's doing. So yeah, yeah. I think um, that's Mickelson. Even like overlooking like the role he's playing, I think I'm just excited to see him in this universe because he seems like an actor that would very much kind of fit the vibe of like a Harry Potter universe. He seems like he would work very well in that kind of uh, magical setting. And I think he'd be, yeah, as you mentioned, Mia, he's usually a great villain in pretty much everything he's in. So I think, I think it'll be a good fit um, if they do decide to go with him. But yeah, I guess moving on from there, we'll just jump straight into our main topic. Uh, which, as we mentioned, for our Harry Potter month of for the month of November, um, last week we talked about just the main Harry Potter series, our general experiences with that. Uh, we crowned David the the Harry Potter, uh, the top Harry Potter fan of of this podcast. But this week we're gonna just kind of talk about some of the negative sides of Harry Potter. Um, specifically, we'll talk about the Fantastic Beast movies as well, and just generally what we think of those. Um, but since David is our our resident Harry Potter's are. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hand the reins off to him and just kind of let him let him guide this conversation. Um, so yeah, David, go for it. Hey, thank you, Kyle. I'm 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 happy to take the reins as as the resident Harry Potter's are here. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I think the next two weeks after this, we're gonna be talking about kind of breaking down the movies a little bit more and kind of what we love about them specifically. But before we get into some Harry Potter love, I think we need to talk about some Harry Potter hate because uh, in 2011, when that last movie came out, which is insane that that's been like nine years since um, that last, the uh, Deathly Hallows Part Two came out, um, that franchise just went out with like just a surge of goodwill. Like people love that movie. It's a great cap to that franchise. And, you know, I, I think it, it went out on top and J.K. Rowling took all that momentum and she just plunged it into the depths of hell. <laughs> because just since then, I feel like there have been so many missteps, whether it be the Fantastic Beasts movies or the play or just random canon changes. So so with you both today, I kind of just want to walk us through all the all the dumb crap that that has happened in Harry Potter since um, since that last movie came out. So yeah, so I guess starting with the Fantastic Beast movies. Mia, you said that you have not seen these movies, which I think you're not missing out on much, honestly, in my opinion. Um, but Kyle, if you just want to kind of start off with what are your thoughts on Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, that that's the first one. And then Fantastic Beasts, the crimes of Grindelwald or Vald. Yeah, I don't dislike the Fantastic Beasts movies as much as some people do. I actually really enjoy uh, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Um, the first one, I think if it had been in kind of its own standalone movie and not trying to set up like future movies, I think it would have been a lot. Uh, I mean, it was a lot of fun. And I think it kind of would have worked better as just kind of a one-off standalone Harry Potter weird animals adventure. Um, I like the cast. I like Eddie Redmayne in the lead role. Um, and Colin Farrell is great. Um, as we kind of touched on earlier, the reveal at the end with Johnny Depp being Grindelwald and kind of having disguised himself as Colin Farrell's character throughout the whole movie, 
it was weird. Um, it was kind of just like a last minute tonal shift to one direction that I just don't think really worked all that well. They were like very blatantly just trying to set up more movies. Um, and I don't think Johnny Depp really fits in this universe. It just kind of, I don't know, it felt weird. Um, and Crimes of Grindelwald, I, I remember enjoying the movie, but it was certainly a kind of a step in the wrong direction. It kind of missed, it missed a lot of the beats it needed to do to really set up this, this universe. Cause they're, I think they're making like five movies or so out of this. And this one just kind of felt like a two and a half hour long, like filler. Like they were just trying to get to the next movie. Um, they introduced uh, Jude Law as uh, Albus Dumbledore, which I think he's the best part of the movie. He's fantastic in the, in the, in the role. Um, but honestly, I think that these movies should be more focused around a young Dumbledore because while I enjoyed Newt's Commander, uh, Eddie Redmayne's character in the first one, and the second movie, he kind of feels like he's just kind of tagged on to this adventure, to this, to this story. Doesn't feel like he's a necessary part of it. He's just kind of there because they need a main protagonist and that's who they have. Um, and so he, I don't know, he, he doesn't feel like a driving force of these movies. He's just kind of along for the ride, um, which I just don't really think works. Um, so like, I'm still very much looking forward to seeing where they go with the Fantastic Beasts movies. Um, but yeah, the second one was definitely a, a step in the wrong direction, I think, um, especially with the big reveal that, uh, that Ezra Miller character, Ezra Miller's character at the end is like a secret Dumbledore brother and just kind of feels weird and they don't really know where they're going to go with that. seems like both movies have kind of just like, here's a last minute big reveal to set up the next movie. And then they don't really know what they're going to do with the next movie. Um, Granted, uh, both the first and the second uh, Fantastic Beasts movies were exclusively written by J.K. Rowling. Um, and I think, I think they brought someone on board to help write the third movie, um, which I think was the, was the right choice. I think they need to get kind of a more seasoned uh, screenwriter in there and just like another creative consultant on that. So it's not just like pure J.K. Rowling uh, spewing whatever she wants uh, because yeah, as we've seen since the since the last Harry Potter movie, that's kind of not been not been a great, uh, not led to great results. Um, but yeah, I guess that's kind of my thoughts on the on the Fantastic Beasts movies. What about you, David? Yeah, I I totally agree with uh, with what you're saying there. Um, yeah, I think the first one is fine. I think it's yeah, it, it was a weird jumping off point for like, this is the next movie we're going to do because Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is a textbook that like Harry Potter, that, that is like curriculum at Hogwarts. And like Newt Scamander is like barely mentioned. It Like he, he is mentioned in the books, but it's just kind of like, gotta get my textbook, Harry. Gotta get some Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And like, that's really all that's mentioned from it. And so it always just kind of felt to me like, a weird spinoff to do. And I think especially with the direction that they took it with, okay, we're going to make this about Dumbledore's fight against Grindelwald. Why did you start it with this weird textbook magical monster movie? Like it just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And yeah, I, I think Jude Law is really good. Like he's very well cast as young Dumbledore and he kind of has, has that twinkle in his eye that, um, uh, the first two Dumbledores had and kind of that character has. Um, 
but yeah he's barely in that movie too and then and i'm assuming he will have a bigger role as it goes on um but yeah it just i I don't want to see three more of these movies like i just i really just don't like i and i i will sit through them and i will watch them but i just will not enjoy myself so yeah yeah i think jude law's dumbledore um the tragic part about that is like he's so good in that role but it's just not a good movie because i i think his depiction of dumbledore is probably the most accurate depiction of dumbledore to to who he is in the books that we've gotten on screen better than uh michael gambon and i don't remember the name of the the first actor. richard harris i believe richard harris um i think he was better than both of them um and i know a lot of people really like michael gambon as dumbledore um, mia's giving me a look but um uh, <laughs> But yeah, I think Jude Law was great. And I just kind of, I hope they do more, like I'm sure they'll do more with that character, but I hope they just do his performance justice moving forward. Um, we'll see what the third one ends up being uh, just because it's been such a mess to get it, to get it in production and just like, yeah, they've had delay after delay after delay. Usually doesn't result in a great pr- final product, but we'll find out, I guess. Um, yeah, I'll, uh let let you take over again Dave so yeah so from there I kind of want to jump into uh the play um Harry Potter and the Cursed Child um which uh, came out in 2016 Uh, I remember being really really excited for it um it's a two-part play so I believe both so it's four acts in total and you have to see you have to buy like separate tickets to see it um so like you have to like it's like a three-hour play and that's the first two acts and then on a separate day or maybe the same day if you want you get to go and see the second half of the play it's i which i think is a weird concept in general um the, the play was very critically acclaimed like it it won um it had a record-breaking 11 lawrence olivier olivier awards which is pretty much like the british tonys um and then when it, it came to america in 2018 and won six tony awards and so yeah and i think it's something i do I would like to see in person one day because I think I've heard, you know, visually it's it's really great and just, you know, seeing a Harry Potter play would be a lot of fun. Um, but they they put out a novelization of it and, and, and pretty much it, it's kind of weird because it's just like the physical script. So it reads like a script, like it has like the character names and what they're saying. It, it, it isn't a full novelization of it. They just kind of put the script into a book. Um, and that came out, I believe, in like 2016, 2017, something like that. Um, and yeah, I remember I, I remember reading that uh, that that book, that's that script, and being really excited for it. And I just absolutely hated it. And I still hate it to this day. Um, there's just a lot of weird, weird garbage in this play. Um, so I think I'll just kind of walk you guys through um, just some various plot elements um and and i i know kyle you're kind of aware of what happens in this book play whatever but mia i don't think you know really anything about this is that correct that is correct cool so you you can give some live reactions to all of the bs um that happens in in this play so so pretty much it starts Um, off oh yeah go ahead uh yeah in terms of like my kind of knowledge of this um so I haven't read the whole thing through myself. I watched like a video essay about it on YouTube a couple of years back and then like got my mom the the book slash script for Christmas and then talked with her about it. And so I know like a lot of the the general plot details, but I haven't actually 
read the whole thing myself. David is the one here that is most most educated in apparently the the poor ways of the cursed child. Yeah, so pretty much this place starts off like right where um, the movies and books end. Um, so there's like the epilogue at the end of both the movies and the books, and it's Harry and Harry and friends sending off their children to Hogwarts, and it's kind of like this big uplifting ending. And I know like Albus, which is Harry's son, is like, oh, what if I am like in Slytherin? And Harry's like, well, you can choose to be in Gryffindor if you want. And he's like, cool. So then like on the train, he meets um, Draco's son, Scorpius, who, um, and they become buds. And then during the Sorting Hat ceremony, um, for some reason, Albus doesn't choose to be in Gryffindor and the hat just puts him in Slytherin and so that's like a big thing and then like uh and at this point like here like uh, Hermione's the minister of magic Ron is doing something I don't remember what he's doing um Harry also works like, like he's like the head of like wizard law enforcement or something like that um and Ginny is like a sports writer for the Daily Prophet um and so, yeah, so um, so his son is sort of in the Slytherin and that creates lots of family drama. And I know there's like, kind of like, they fast forward a few years, I think to Albus's like third or fourth year, I believe. Um, and like pretty much Albus just like sucks. Like he's like a terrible wizard. He like, I, like there's a scene <laughs> where they just like, they put him, like he sits on a broom for the first time and he just like, and they're like, oh, you're going to be the best because your dad was the best at flying a broom. And he just can't, like, he's the only one who can't, like, fly on this, like, on this broom and he can't do Quidditch. And everyone's just like, you suck at magic, man. <laughs> and that, like, makes it, like, pretty much he can't escape his father's shadow. And that kind of, like, drives a wedge between them. And I think that's an interesting dynamic, but it just doesn't play out very well. Um, and so, yeah, so then a lot of stuff gets weird because Cedric Diggory's dad comes to Harry and he's like, hey, listen, I know you have a time turner. Um, and, and, and time turners are the things where you can go back in time. Um, and uh, I know in the books, it's like, you can't change the past, I think is what the rule is there. But Harry's like, I have a special time turner that does allow you to change the past. And so Cedric, Cedric's dad is like, hey, I know that you have this. Can you go back in time and save my son from dying? Um, and Harry's like, no, because I would like break the laws of time or whatever. And so Albus and Scorpius learn about this and they're like, and since Albus doesn't like his dad, he's like, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go back in time and save Cedric Diggory. <laughs> so, um, so, he, so they do that. And a lot of the rest of the book is them just like, going back in time and screwing things up really badly so that it like affects the the future um and then they're like oh no we screwed that up we have to go back in time again and try to fix it again and they just keep on making it worse um so yeah so i guess i'll stop there what are your guys's first thoughts of this like weird time traveling adventure of harry's son and draco's son shocked <laughs> just pure amazement um i don't know i guess i guess there are some things definitely in that that have potential like i like the idea that that scorpius and albus are friends um 
because I think, I don't know, I think it's just like a cool dynamic. I assume Scorpius is a Slytherin, so that's fun. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I guess it's like frustrating because obviously in, what was it, the third um, Prisoner of Azkaban that Hermione is like using the, the time turner. Um, so like it's clearly stated, hey, you can't change this. So it's it's kind of like, I don't know, like Rowling going back on her word and like, well, actually I changed it because I wanted to. Like, I don't know, I guess that just defeats the purpose of like, clearly stating in the in the third book like hey you can't do this i mean i guess it's to be expected just because it introduces a fun element um into it and obviously like you were saying like the two of them like keep messing things up and then that changes the future so they go back like that's a fun idea i guess but um it seems like a little inconsistent so also like why cedric like why not try to bring fred back or someone like a, a, a more major character or dobby i don't know like that just seems a little odd it would have been great if harry was like i need to rewrite history to get dobby back he's like i he, he's like my life would be so changed right now if dobby <laughs> <Right>. the <healthy. laughs> yeah i think it's an interesting idea and like the idea of harry's son being put into slytherin and like him and his dad like kind of having this rift because he can't get out of his dad's shadow i think that's all really interesting um but the actual plot of like going back in time to to mess to save cedric and like do all this stuff just kind of reeks of like oh we need a sequel to harry potter so this is what we're going to do. And we're just going to kind of rely on everything you already know about Harry Potter and just work within those confines instead of actually trying to like expand the story. Um, and so like, I'm sure there are people out there that enjoy it uh, just because it's a lot of references to things they already know in Harry Potter. Um, but just from your description as of so far, like it, it kind of, yeah, it seems like they're just, they're not actually like making up anything new. They're not, forwarding the the story or the franchise at all they're just kind of working off of what they have which i think just is not a great way to go about making a sequel um but yeah yes so uh so, so i guess i will continue from here um and kind of take you through kind of the various scenarios that happen of them being like you know bungling their way through time and whatever they do um so yeah a weird thing that happens and so i'm i uh i read this like four years ago and i'm I just ha I have the Wikipedia page open just to kind of refresh my memory. So I apologize if I get any of these details wrong, but I feel like I have I have the gist down correctly because it is burned into my brain. So I know at one point they like escape the Hogwarts Express and apparently when you do that, the trolley witch, like the the witch who brings around all the candy and stuff like on the, on the Hogwarts Express, she literally, she grows spikes for hands and throws exploding pumpkin pasties at them. And like, that's like the train's like defense mechanism. And like, I wish I was making that, like, as I was reading this, I was like, am I like losing my mind right now? Like, is this actually happening? Like there's a, there's a scene where the trolley witch has spikes for hands and throws like bombs at them as they're trying to like leave the Hogwarts Express. And it is absolute madness. And so anyway, where so- she, Where was she at when Harry and Ron were like right in a car, like in front of the train and like doing all that, like- That's a good point. That's a that's a really good point. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and yeah, and 
I, they, they meet, um, like, they have like an accomplice throughout all this. Her name is Delphi. And like, there's not much that is known about her. And I don't specifically remember what her role is, but I will get back to her later because she turns out to have a key role. So anyway, so they're trying to get back Cedric. So they go back in time. And so um, in this process, um, they, so they disguise themselves as like Durmstrang students. So they go back to the Triwizard Tournament, which is in the fourth book where um, Cedric in the fourth book, Cedric dies during the Triwizard Tournament. So pretty much they're trying to make it so that Cedric doesn't die during then. Um, and so in that process, they like disguise themselves as Durmstrang students, which I believe is the school that um, Victor Crumb goes to. Um, and so in that process, somehow they make Hermione not trust Victor Crumb. So then she doesn't go to the Yule Ball with him as she did, as she does in, in the book. And so the consequences of that is Ron never experiences the jealousy that is fundamental to their relationship. And so Ron and Hermione never get married and never end up together. And instead, Ron and falls, falls in love with uh, Padma Patil, who I think was his date um, in the original scenario. Um, and so then Ron and Hermione, and so that pretty much they get back to the present and they're like, Ron and Hermione never got married. And so in the present normal timeline Hermione is the yes she's the minister of magic but when they get back she's so like like scorned by Ron that she instead becomes like a mean and frustrated professor at Hogwarts instead and so what she's done to the character of Hermione is pretty much she's like if she doesn't have Ron in her life she does not become as successful and I think that's just a terrible message and like a terrible way to write that character because that portrays like so much of what the character of Hermione like so yeah like it just destroys that character and is so dumb and badly written so what are your thoughts on the on the revelation that without a man in her life Hermione would not become the minister of magic like what what are your thoughts on this yeah it's dumb it's not it's not good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was a bad a bad decision and honestly it feels weird that that's a decision that jk rowling would make i feel like she usually goes the opposite direction with that kind of stuff um but yeah that's that just doesn't really work and doesn't really follow who the character of hermione is at all um and so yeah i don't have much else to say about it but yeah <laughs> how about you mia yeah i I would say the same thing like that's pretty stupid and like totally inconsistent with Hermione's character like Hermione was perfectly successful like without Ron being by her side which I mean he was throughout all the all of the books and all of the movies but like that's like completely inconsistent with her character like from the beginning and that just it seems like pretty cliche and stupid in my opinion. Also, like, would, I don't know, this is just, like, nitpicky, but, like, would one thing, like, turn you off from marrying someone? And that was jealousy? Like, that's what brought them together was Ron being jealous? Like, all right. Like, that, that's so stupid. Like, that, their, their connection was deeper than that. That's so annoying. Yeah, that's stupid. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> 
so it gets somehow dumber from there because so pretty much they're like okay we screwed up we need to go back in time and we need to make more changes to the timeline so what they do is they go to like the final task where they're in the um they're in like the hedge maze um and so what they decide to do is they're like okay we need to like take Cedric out of commission in that task so then he cannot touch the porky with Harry and go to the graveyard and get killed um so what they do is they cast a charm on him that like inflates him like a balloon and he like floats up above the like the maze and everyone sees him and apparently like everyone laughs at him and he's like extremely hum humiliated but he doesn't die so they're like cool we did it like everything's fine now so they go back to the present and Voldemort won and they live in like an authoritarian like fascism society and they're like what happened and so pretty much what happened was because they humiliated Cedric Diggory he became evil and turned to the like the dark side and became a death eater and during the battle of Hogwarts he kills Neville who then cannot kill Nagini so then Harry dies. Um, so another character who she just completely rewritten, because like Cedric Diggory is a very good and like, you know, like he he's, I think he's kind of presented as being, you know, kind of flawed in the book, but he's like inherently a good person. And so they're pretty much like, if he became humiliated, he would become a death eater and kill Harry. And it's just so dumb. Like, it's just, like, I just don't understand how that was, like, they're like, okay, we need to come up with a way to, for them to rewrite history and Voldemort wins. And, like, that's what they settled on. It just does not make any sense to me. So, so yeah. So, kind of, like, the, I think a lot of the rest of the book is them trying to, um, and I know, like, in this, like, weird dark timeline, like, Snape and McGonagall are, like, leading like some resistance against Voldemort or something and it's like Albus and Scorpius are like trying to get like fix whatever happened along with their um uh their friend Delphi or something um <laughs> a lot of this part of the book is very is very murky for me but I know eventually it is so they they fix everything um but then uh their friend Delphi betrays them and it turns out that she is the daughter of Voldemort. And that is the big reveal, is that Voldemort has a daughter. And she is the daughter of Voldemort and Bellatrix Lestrange. <laughs> and so I know what, like, she, like, traps them in, like, the past. And, like, she traps, like, she leaves them, like, at the point where, like, the night that Voldemort dies or something like that. And then, like, pretty much, so pretty much, she's been manipulating them the whole time to like mess up things with the time turner that would eventually bring Voldemort back is what her plan was or something like that. And so, so yeah. And then there's like this whole scene where they have to fight Voldemort again and they eventually win and they beat him and that's, and then like the play just kind of ends with them being like, and also Harry's a really bad dad in this like he at one point he's like I wish you weren't my son so that's really cool another thing that hit the character of Harry Potter would not say um, but yeah anyway so that's kind of how the book wraps up they beat Voldemort again um, 
Harry kind of reconciles with his son and there's kind of like a big happily ever after. So what are your thoughts on, and I know I described this very poorly, but this is just what I remember and what I got from Wikipedia. Um, but I know all of these things are true or are pretty much the gist of what happens. So what are your thoughts on Bellatrix Lestrange and Voldemort conceiving a child? What are your thoughts? You couldn't, you couldn't hear me because I, I, I was muted, but I was dying of laughter when you mentioned that, just because that's such a dumb idea. Like it's such like a, a cliche, just kind of random last minute plot twist that like uh, a fifth grader would think of and just kind of like, oh, you know, this is this is what's going to happen next. This person's related to that person. And this is just how it's all going to work out. Um, and just like with Harry being a bad dad and everything, like it's just... I don't know it just fundamentally just changes and almost ignores a lot of what those characters were um and just like I think there are good like concepts hidden without the cursed child like I think the idea of like Cedric turning evil and like him being the reason why Voldemort wins is an interesting concept but I think having him turn evil just because he was embarrassed is ridiculous um and so yeah, again, I haven't read The Cursed Child all the way through, but it doesn't sound great. It sounds pretty bad. Um, yeah, what, what do you think, Mia? I, I think I'm just like so confused. <laughs> like I have the Wikipedia page now up and I'm like trying to like piece it together. That, yeah, that, that does not make a lot of sense. I feel like maybe you had mentioned that before about uh, Bellatrix and, and Voldemort, but that just like seems very confusing. Also in the Wikipedia page, it says that Delphi is like Amos Diggory's, Diggory's niece. So is that true or is she just he, like disguised? I think, yeah, I think that's because I, I didn't remember exactly how she met Albus and Scorpius. I think when Cedric's dad is like, hey, you know, Harry, can you go back in time or whatever? And Harry's like, no. Then I think Delphi is like, oh, I'm Cedric's niece or whatever. And like, it, like that's how she plants in the minds of Albus and Scorpius that they should go back in time and do all these things. So I don't think she's not actually related to Cedric. Um, but yeah. Um, also, okay. So okay. the timeline of how... and. There's so many questions that I do not want to get into of how did Voldemort and Bellatrix conceive a child? We don't need to get into that, but like super gross and bad. Um, and, but apparently the timeline of that is she was pregnant during the entire, like all of the Deathly Hollows, and like they conceived that child, like I think during the sixth book, because like that's, or, or at least they don't even, it's not like that book really explains that, but like, all they say is that she was that Delphi was born right before the Battle of Hogwarts and right before Bellatrix is killed. And so it's like, so Bellatrix like gives birth and then it's like, yep, going to the Battle of Hogwarts. And so I think someone like mapped that out and it's like, okay, so he must, they, this must have happened. The child must have been conceived like during the sixth book. And to me, what's weird about that is if you remember in the sixth book, a big part of that book is. Harry and Voldemort have like a mental link to each other. And there's like a big point of like, whenever Voldemort feels strong emotions, Harry is able to feel that. So it's like, was there a point where this was happening? Like, 
Harry would have known about that, you would think. And it just doesn't make it like, it just, no. <laughs> it just so, it's so horrible to think about. And I hate that we're in a position where we have to think about how aware, <laughs> how aware would Harry be of Voldemort like having sex pretty much is what is happening. So. So yeah, it's just a mess, man. Like I just maybe like <laughs> what you know, maybe it just like coincided with maybe one time when like Harry and Ginny were hooking up, and he just like didn't think about it. You know, <laughs> think about it. <laughs> maybe I guess that's. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, it just sucks. Like I just really hate it a lot. Um. And yeah, there are like I'll send you guys like there are a lot of articles of like all the insane stuff that happens in the cursed child because there are just so many bad plots. Oh, there's also there's a part where to like get the time turner, Albus and Albus and Scorpius they like infiltrate the Ministry of Magic and they like use Polyjuice potion to disguise themselves as Harry and Ron as adult versions of Harry and Ron. And so there's a point where Albus, disguised as Ron, um, runs into the real Hermione, and Hermione is, like, trying to kiss him because she thinks it is her husband, and so Albus has to kiss his, like, aunt, and, like, that's really weird. There are just so many weird things about this book that I just, and this play, that I just, is unfathomable, because she wrote it with, she wrote it with two other people, um, and so, like, I, I'm just curious of, like, how much of it was actually her like how much of it was just these like two other playwrights but like she did write it so and she did sign off on this so like it's just it's just madness to me so so yeah I, I appreciate you guys letting me take you on this wonderful journey um into just harry potter hell so <laughs> yeah we do we do exclusively quality content on this podcast yes yes um, so yeah, I guess to close, do you guys have any other thoughts on the state of Harry Potter, where it is now, uh, kind of how you think this franchise can maybe get back on track? Yeah, I guess just briefly, it doesn't, you don't, you don't need to be a wizard to, to, to see that the Harry Potter franchise is not in the same place it was 10 years ago. Um, it's kind of really fallen, fallen off. Um, and I think people just don't really care about it much anymore. Like people are still into it, but like not nearly as much as it was 10 years ago when the movies were like just finishing up. Um, and honestly, I think the only way to, to fix that is just with good content, like have quality, have quality, I guess if the Cursed Child had been better or if the Fantastic Beast movies get better, um, like they're trying to continue it, but they're just really messing it up. Um, so I think the only way to really fix that is just to, to make, make good movies, make it, make good shows. Like, it's just, there's not much else you can do. Like, but yeah, I guess that's, that's my thoughts. What do you think, Mia? Yeah. I mean, I don't have anything really much to add other than, than echoing what, what Kyle said. I feel like there's like almost a certain stigma now to like being, um, like big Harry Potter fans just like because it's a little like hold on a second it's like I don't know like the people who are in it now or who are fans of it now are like 
I don't know, in their 30s or so. And so it's it's a little like obviously it's a nostalgia trip for some people, but I can see that like there are certainly a lot of problems with it. And yeah, the direction that it's going right now and like the direction that rolling is going now, it's like, yeah, I don't know. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I I think you know, I think going forward, I would love to see the movie, like the Fantastic Beast movies, kind of refocus toward the Dumbledore versus Grindelwald fight. And I think there is a lot of like baked in lore to the books that they kind of hint at about their confrontation and their relationship that I think would be really interesting to see fleshed out. Um, I, d- I just, I don't need all the Fantastic Beast stuff like on the side there. And I also think like, I would love to see like, some sort of like Harry Potter related miniseries on like HBO Max. Like I think something like if you did like a Marauder show, like do something about like uh, James Potter and Remus Lupin and um, Sirius and Snape as like students at Hogwarts. And I think that would be super interesting to like do some sort of show about like the four of them. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. I just, I, I think there is, there are ways to, I guess, for them to continue milking this franchise, but do it and just do it in a way that's better and that doesn't like break the fabric of what everyone loves about these movies. So, so yes. So I, I thank you guys again for for letting me go on a on a little cursed child and Fantastic Beast rant and for letting me take you on a wild and wacky Harry Potter journey. So. Yeah, so I guess there we'll start wrapping it up. This has been episode 31 of Cinebraskans, part two of our of our uh, Harry Potter month. Um, as always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by a co-host, David Berman, as well as Mia Everding. And yeah, I guess thanks thanks for tuning in. And yeah, come back come back next week for per, for part three of our Harry Potter our Harry Potter coverage. Um, but yeah. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. See ya.